Section 13 of the Aeneid. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lawrence. The Aeneid by Virgil. Translated by J. W. McHale. Chapter 7. The Landing in Latium and the Role of the Armies of Italy. Part 1. Thou also, Caeta, nurse of Aeneas, gavest our shores an everlasting renown in death, and still thine honor haunts thy resting place, and a name in broad Hesperia, if that be glory, marks thy dust. But when the last rites are duly paid, and the mound smoothed over the grave, good Aeneas, now the high seas are hushed, bears on under sail and leaves his haven. Breezes blow into the night, and the white moonshine speeds them on. The sea glitters in her quivering radiance. Soon they skirt the shores of Circe's land, where the rich daughter of the sun makes her untrodden groves echo with ceaseless song, and her stately house glows night long with burning odorous cedar wood, as she runs over her delicate web with the ringing comb. Hence are heard afar angry cries of lions chafing at their fetters and roaring in the deep night. Bears and bristly swine rage in their pens, and vast shapes of wolves howl whom with her potent herbs the deadly divine Circe had disfashioned face and body into wild beasts from the likeness of men. But lest the good Trojans might suffer so dread a change, might enter her haven or draw nigh the ominous shores, Neptune filled their sails with favorable winds, and gave them escape, and bore them past the seething shallows. And now the sea reddened with shafts of light, and high in heaven the yellow dawn shone rose-charioted, when the winds fell, and every breath sank suddenly, and the oar-blades toil through the heavy ocean floor. And on this Aeneas descries from sea a mighty forest. Midway in it the pleasant Tiber stream breaks to sea in swirling eddies laden with yellow sand. Around and above fowl many in sort, that haunt his banks and river channel, solaced heaven with song and flew about the forest. He orders his crew to bend their course and turn their prows to land, and glides joyfully into the shady river. Forth now, Arato, and I will enfold who were the kings, what the tides of circumstance, how it was with ancient Latium, when first that foreign army drew their fleet ashore on Asonia's coast. I will recall the preluding of battle. Thou, divine one, inspire thou thy poet. I will tell of grim wars, tell of embattled lines, of kings whom honor drove on death, of the Tyrrhenian forces, and all Hesperia enrolled in arms. A greater history opens before me, a greater work, I essay. Latinus the king, now growing old, ruled in a long peace over quiet tilth and town. He, men say, was sprung of Faunus and the nymph Marica of Laurentum. Faunus's father was Picus, and he boasts himself, Saturn, thy son. Thou art the first source of their blood. Son of his, by divine ordinance and male descent, was none, cut off in the early spring of youth. One alone kept the household and its august home, a daughter now ripe for a husband and of full years for marriage. Many wooed her from wide Latium and all Asonia. Fairest and foremost of all is Turnus, of long and lordly ancestry. But boding sides from heaven, many and terrible bar the way. 
Within the palace, in the lofty inner courts, was a laurel of sacred foliage, guarded in awe through many years, which Lord Latinus, it was said, himself found and dedicated to Phoebus when first he would build his citadel, and from it gave his settlers their name Laurentines. High atop of it, wonderful to tell, bees borne with loud humming across liquid air girt it thickly about, and with interlinked feet hung in a sudden swarm from the leafy bough. Straight away the prophet cries, I see a foreigner draw nigh, an army from the same quarter seek the same quarter, and reign high in our fortress. Furthermore, while maiden Lavinia stands beside her father, feeding the altars with holy fuel, she was seen, oh horror, to catch fire in her long tresses, and burn with flickering flame in all her array, her queenly hair lit up, lit up her jeweled circlet, tell, enwreathed in smoke and lurid light, she scattered fire over all the palace. That sight was rumored wonderful and terrible. Herself, they prophesied, she should be glorious in fame and fortune, but a great war was foreshadowed for her people. But the king, troubled by the omen, visits the oracle of his father Faunus the soothsayer, and the groves deep under Albunea, where, queen of the woods, she echoes from her holy well, and breathes forth a dim and deadly vapor. Hence do the tribes of Italy and all the Onotrian land seek answers in perplexity. Hither the priest bears his gifts, and when he hath lain down and sought slumber under the silent night on the spread fleeces of slaughtered sheep, sees many flitting phantoms of wonderful wise, hears manifold voices, and attains converse of the gods, and hath speech with Acheron and the deep tract of hell. Here then, likewise seeking an answer, Lord Latinus paid fit sacrifice of a hundred woolly ewes, and lay couched on the strewn fleeces they had worn. Out of the lofty grove a sudden voice was uttered. Seek not, O my child, to unite thy daughter in Latin espousals, nor trust her to the bridal chambers ready to thine hand. Foreigners shall come to be thy sons, whose blood shall raise our name to heaven, and the children of whose race shall see, where the circling sun looks on either ocean, all the rolling world swayed beneath their feet. This, his father Faunus's answer and counsel, given in the silent night, Latinus restrains not in his lips, but wide-flitting rumor had already borne it round among the Ausonian cities when the children of Laomedon moored their fleet to the grassy slope of the riverbank. Aeneas, with the foremost of his captains, and fair Ulysses, lay them down under the boughs of a high tree, and array the feast. They spread wheaten cakes along the sward under their meats, so Jove on high prompted, and crowned the platter of corn with wilding fruits. Here, haply when the rest was spent, and scantness of food set them to eat their thin bread, and with hand and venturous teeth do violence to the round cakes, fraught with fate, and spare not the flattened squares. Ha! Are we eating our tables too? cries Ulysses jesting, and stops. At once that accent heard set their toils a limit, and at once as he spoke his father caught it from his lips, and hushed him in amazement at the omen. Straight away, hail, O land, he cries, my destined inheritance, and hail, O household gods, faithful to your Troy, here is home, this is our native country. For my father Anchises, now I remember it, bequeathed me this secret of fate, when hunger shall drive thee, O son, to consume thy tables where the feast fails, on the unknown shores whither thou shalt sail, then, though outwearied, 
hope for home, and there at last let thine hand remember to set thy house's foundations and bulwarks. This was the hunger, this the last that awaited us, to set the promised end to our desolations. Up, then, and, glad with the first sunbeam, let us explore and search all abroad from our harbor. What is the country? Who its habitants? Where is the town of the nation? Now pour your cups to Jove, and call in prayer on Anchises our father, setting the wine again upon the board. So speaks he, and binding his brows with a leafy bough, he makes supplication to the genius of the ground, and the earth first of deities, and the nymphs and the rivers yet unknown, then calls on night and night's rising signs, and next on Jove of Ida, and our lady of Phrygia, and on his twain parents, in heaven and in the underworld. And this the Lord Omnipotent thrice thundered sharp from high heaven, and with his own hand shook out for a sign, in the sky a cloud ablaze with luminous shafts of gold. A sudden rumor spreads among the Trojan army that the day is come to found their destined city. Emulously they renew the feast, and, glad at the high omen, array the flagons and engarland the wine. Soon as the morrow bathed the lands in its dawning light, they part to search out the town and the borders and shores of the nation. These are the pools and spring of Numicus. This is the Tiber River. Here dwell the brave Latins. Then the seed of Anchises commands a hundred envoys, chosen of every degree, to go to the stately royal city, all with the wreathed boughs of Pallas, to bear him gifts and desire grace for the Teucrians. Without delay they hasten on their message and advance with swift step. Himself he traces the city walls with a shallow trench and builds on it, and in fashion of a camp girdles this first settlement on the shore with mound and battlements. And now his men had traversed their way. They espied the towers and steep roofs of the Latins and drew near the wall. Before the city, boys and men in their early bloom exercise on horseback and break in their teams on the dusty ground, or draw ringing bows, or hurl tough javelins from the shoulder, and contend in running and boxing. When a messenger, riding forward, brings news to the ears of the aged king that mighty men are come thither in unknown raiment, he gives orders to call them within the house, and takes his seat in the midst on his ancestral throne. His house, stately and vast, crowned the city, upreared on a hundred columns, once the palace of Laurentian Picus, amid awful groves of ancestral sanctity. Here their kings receive the inaugural scepter, and have the fasces first raised before them. This temple was their senate house, this their sacred banqueting hall. Here, after sacrifice of rams, the elders were wont to sit down at long tables. Further, there stood a row in the entry, images of the forefathers of old, in ancient cedar, Italus and Lord Sabinus, planter of the vine, still holding in show the curved pruning-hook, and grey Saturn, and the likeness of Janus the double-facing, and the rest of their primal kings, and they who had borne wounds of war in fighting for their country. Armour, besides, hangs thickly on the sacred doors, captured chariots and curved axes, helmet crests and massy gateway bars, lances and shields, and beaks torn from warships. He, too, sat there, with the divining rod of Quirinus, girt in the short augural gown, and carrying on his left arm the sacred shield, Picus, the tamer of horses. 
he whom circe desperate with amorous desire smote with her golden rod and turned by her poisons into a bird with patches of colour on his wings of such wise was the temple of the gods wherein latinus sitting on his father's seat summoned the teucrians to his house and presence and when they entered in he thus opened with placid mien tell o dardanians for we are not ignorant of your city and race nor unheard of do you bend your course overseas what seek you what the cause or whereof the need that hath borne you over all these blue waterways to the ausonian shore whether wandering in your course or tempest driven such perils manifold on the high seas do sailors suffer you have entered the river banks and lie in harbour shun not our welcome and be not ignorant that the latins are saturn's people whom no laws fetter to justice upright of their own free will and the custom of the god of old and now i remember though the story is dimmed with years thus arunken elders told how dardanus born in our country made his way to the towns of phrygian ida and to the thracian samos that is now called samothrace here was the home he left tyrrhenian corythus and now the palace of heaven glittering with golden stars enthrones and adds him to the ranged altars of the gods he ended and ilioneus pursued his speech with these words king faunus's illustrious progeny neither hath black tempest driven us with stress of waves to shelter in your lands nor hath star or shore misled us on the way we went of set purpose and willing mind do we draw nigh this thy city outcasts from a realm once the greatest that the sun looked on as he came from olympus's utmost border from jove hath our race beginning in jove the men of dardania rejoice as ancestor our king himself of jove's supreme race aeneas of troy hath sent us to thy courts how terrible the tempest that burst from fierce mycenae over the plains of ida driven by what fate europe and asia met in the shock of two worlds even he hath heard who is sundered in the utmost land where the ocean surge recoils and he whom stretching midmost of the four zones the zone of the intolerable sun holds in severance born by that flood over many desolate seas we crave a scant dwelling for our country's gods an unmolested landing-place and the air and water that are free to all we shall not disgrace the kingdom nor will the rumour of your renown be lightly gone or the grace of all you have done fade away nor will ausonia be sorry to have taken troy to her breast by the fortunes of aeneas i swear by that right hand mightily whether tried in friendship or in warlike arms many and many a people and nation scorn us not because we advance with hands proffering chaplets and words of supplication hath sought us for ourself and desired our alliance but yours is the land that heaven's high ordinance drove us forth to find hence sprung dardanus hither apollo recalls us and pushes us on with imperious orders to tyrrhenian tiber and the holy pools of numicus's spring further he presents to thee these small gardens of our past estate relics saved from burning troy from this gold did lord anchises pour libation at the altars this was priam's array when he delivered statutes to the nations assembled in order the sceptre the sacred mitre the raiment wrought by the women of ilium at these words of ilioneus latinus holds his countenance in a steady gaze and stays motionless on the floor casting his intent eyes around 
nor does the embroidered purple so move the king nor the scepter of priam as his daughter's marriage and the bridal chamber absorb him and the oracle of ancient faunus stirs deep in his heart this is he the wanderer from a foreign home foreshoon of fate for his son and called to a realm of equal dominion whose race should be excellent in valour and their might overbear all the world at last he speaks with good cheer the gods prosper our undertaking and their own augury what thou desirest trojan shall be given nor do i spurn your gifts while latinus reigns you shall not lack foison of rich land nor troy's own riches only let aeneas himself come hither if desire of us be so strong if he be in haste to join our friendship and be called our ally let him not shrink in terror from a friendly face a term of the peace for me shall be to touch your monarch's hand do you now convey and answer my message to your king i have a daughter whom the oracles of my father's shrine and many a celestial token alike forbid me to unite with one of our own nation sons shall come they prophesy from foreign coasts such is the destiny of latium whose blood shall exalt our name to heaven he it is on whom fate calls this i think this i choose if there be any truth in my soul's foreshadowing thus he speaks and chooses horses for all the company three hundred stood sleek in their high stalls for all the teucrians in order he straightway commands them to be let forth fleet-footed covered with embroidered purple golden chains hang drooping over their chests golden their housings and they champ on bits of ruddy gold for the absent aeneas a chariot and pair of chariot horses of celestial breed with nostrils breathing flame of the race of those which subtle circe bred by slight on her father the bastard issue of a stolen union with these gifts and words the aeneidae ride back from latinus carrying peace and lo the fierce wife of jove was returning from inachian argos and held her way along the air when out of the distant sky far as from sicilian pachinus she espied the rejoicing of aeneas and the dardanian fleet she sees them already house-building already trusting in the land their ships left empty she stops shot with sharp pain then shaking her head she pours forth these words ah hated brood and doom of the phrygians that thwarts our doom could they perish on the Sigian plains could they be ensnared when taken did the fires of troy consume her people through the midst of armies and through the midst of flames they have found their way but i think my deity lays at last outwearied or my hatred sleeps and is satisfied nay it is i who have been fierce to follow them over the waves when hurled from their country and on all the seas have crossed their flight against the teucrians the forces of sky and sea are spent what hath availed me syrtes or scylla what desolate charybdis they find shelter in their desired tiber bed careless of ocean and of me mars availed to destroy the giant race of the lapithae the very father of the gods gave over ancient caledon to diana's wrath for forfeit of what crime in the lapithae what in the caledon but i jove's imperial consort who have borne ah me to leave not undared who have shifted to every device i am vanquished by aeneas if my deity is not great enough i will not assuredly falter to seek succour where it may be if the powers of heaven are inflexible i will stir up acheron it may not be to debar him of a latin realm well and lavinia is destined his bride unalterably 
but it may be yet to defer, to make all this action linger, but it may be yet to waste away the nation of either king. At such forfeit of their people may son-in-law and father-in-law enter into union. Blood of Troy and Rutulia shall be thy dower, O maiden, and Bellona is the bridesmaid who awaits thee. Nor did Sisius's daughter alone conceive a firebrand and travail of bridal flames. Nay, even such a birth hath Venus of her own, a second Paris, another balefire for Troy towers reborn. These words uttered, she descends to earth in all her terrors, and calls Dolorous Electo from the home of the fatal sisters in nether gloom, whose delight is in woeful wars, in wrath and treachery and evil feuds, hateful to Lord Pluto himself, hateful and horrible to her hell-born sisters. Into so many faces does she turn, so savage the guise of each, so thick and black bristles she with vipers. And her Juno spurs on with words, saying thus, Grant me, virgin born of night, this thy proper task and service, that the rumor of our renown may not crumble away, nor the Aeneidae have power to win Latinus by marriage or beset the borders of Italy. Thou canst set brothers once united in armed conflict and overturn families with hatreds. Thou canst launch into houses thy whips and deadly brands. Thine are a thousand names, a thousand devices of injury. Stir up thy teeming breast, sunder the peace they have joined, and sow seeds of quarrel. Let all at once desire and demand and seize on arms. Thereon, Alecto, steeped in Gorgonian venom, first seeks Latium and the high house of the Laurentine monarch, and silently sits down before Amata's doors, whom a woman's distress and anger heated to frenzy over the Teucrians' coming and the marriage of Turnus. At her the goddess flings a snake out of her dusky tresses, and slips it into her bosom to her very inmost heart, that she may embroil all her house under its maddening magic. Sliding between her raiment and smooth breasts, it coils without touch, and instills its viperous breath unseen. The great serpent turns into the twisted gold about her neck, turns into the long ribbon of her chaplet, inweaves her hair, and winds slippery over her body. And while the gliding infection of the clammy poison begins to penetrate her sense and run in fire through her fame, nor as yet hath all her breast caught fire, softly she spoke, and in mother's wanted wise, with many a tear over her daughter and the Phrygian bridal, Is it to exiles, to Teucrians, that Lavinia is proffered in marriage, O father? And hast thou no compassion on thy daughter and on thyself, no compassion on her mother, whom with the first northern wind the treacherous rover will abandon, steering to sea with his maiden prize? Is it not thus the Phrygian herdsman wound his way to Lacedaemon, and carried Leda's Helen into the Trojan towns? Where is thy plighted faith? Where thine ancient care for thy people, and the hand Turnus thy kinsman hath so often clasped? If one of alien race from the Latins is sought for our son, if this stands fixed, and thy father Faunus's commands are heavy upon thee, all the land whose freedom severs it from our sway is to my mind alien, and of this is the divine word. And Turnus, if one retrace the earliest source of his line, is born of Inachus and Acrisius, and of the midmost of Mycenae. When, in this vain essay of words, she sees Latinus fixed against her, and the serpent's maddening poison is sunk deep in her vitals, and runs through and through her, 
Then indeed, stung by infinite horrors, hapless and frenzied, she rages wildly through the endless city. As will a top flying under the twisted whipcord, which boys busy at their play drive circling wide round an empty hall, runs before the lash and spins in wide gyrations. The witless ungrown band hang wondering over it and admire the whirling boxwood. The strokes lend it life. With pace no slacker is she born midway through towns and valiant nations. Nay, she flies into the woodland under feigned Bacchic influence, assumes a greater guilt, arouses a greater frenzy, and hides her daughter in the mountain coverts to rob the Teucrians of their bridal and stay the marriage torches. Hail, Bacchus, she shrieks and clamors. Thou only art worthy of the maiden, for to thee she takes up the leesome wands, thee she circles in the dance, to thee she trains and consecrates her tresses. Rumor flies abroad, and the matrons, their breasts kindled by the furies, run all at once with a single ardor to seek out strange dwellings. They have left their homes empty, they throw neck and hair free to the winds, while others fill the air with ringing cries, girt about with fawn skins, and carrying spears of vine. Amid them the infuriate queen holds her blazing pine-torch on high, and chants the wedding of Turnus and her daughter, and rolling her bloodshot greys, cries sudden and harsh, Here, O mothers of Latium, wheresoever you be, if unhappy Amata hath yet any favour in your affection, if care for a mother's right pierces you, untie the chaplets from your hair, begin the orgies with me. Thus, amid woods and wild beasts' solitary places, does Electo goad the queen with the encircling Bacchic madness? End of section thirteen.